Well, 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 well. Back once again with the Renegade Master. Episode 5. Long-awaited installment, episode 5 of my podcast. Yeah, still yet to get a microphone. As you can tell, it's probably pretty low on my priorities to get a microphone with the shocking irregularity with which I publish podcasts. But I'll keep I'll keep at it, don't you worry. And could you imagine me talking into a, a road or a blue yeti? The extent of the podcast hug that you would get. The intimacy. And for a start, maybe I, I might even stop recording it in my car where you can hear a gate swinging in the background. But until then, you'll have to just enjoy the ambience with which my iPhone's microphone can afford. So this week, month, I'm going to talk about nutrition in sport. And uh, it's, uh, it's actually a lot easier than some people may assume because the vast majority of athletes have absolutely terrible diets to begin with and we work backwards from there so I'm going to start off with what a diet should be Uh, your diet should be made up of three macronutrients you may have heard the term it's very very popular with gym goers and the uh, uh, if it fits your macros I'll touch on that later but your three macronutrients are carbohydrates fat and protein if you're eating anything it will have some makeup of either fat, carbohydrate, or protein. Over the course of the day, depending how you choose to eat, um, most athletes will have a relatively high carbohydrate diet, a relatively low fat diet, and uh, and as often the case, probably over-consume sources of protein. So when something like Game Changers comes out and they talk about how you could be healthier without meat, to an extent that is true, but that's because we tend to to gorge on meat. Uh, We we do tend to treat protein as if it is the be-all and end-all of of, uh, good dietary behaviours. And it can often sometimes just it can often sometimes just lead us down a garden path where we're actually a little further away from our goal than we intend to be. So there are your basics. They are macro, macro meaning big. They're your macronutrients. They're the big building blocks of any diet. Rather than go too deep into dietetics. I'm going to talk to you about what your plate should look like. 
whether you eat meat or not, that's by the by. I don't care. If you're vegetarian, good for you. If you're vegan, you know, bully for you too. Um, when we look at our plate, we've got to use our hands as a guide. So the first thing I will do is, is uh, take your plate, divide it in half. And regardless of what you're doing, the contents of that plate should have at least half leafy greens or above ground vegetables. And they're going to be your carbohydrates. Um, so that is spinach, asparagus, courgette, broccoli, above ground carbohydrates. That's as simple as I can put it without giving you too many technical terms. So that means it does not include potatoes, kumra, taro, all of those things. It's just things that you can pluck off the ground without having to dig. All you'd have to really do is give them a bit of a wash and even if you feel like it you can cook it too but as simple as that if you look at a plate half of it should be more or less green. If you look at your hand, look at your palm, your serving of protein should be no bigger than the palm of your hand. Now, I'm a little fatty, so I've got quite big palms. So, believe me, I'll get away with it. I get to eat quite a bit of uh, chicken or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily need to be chicken. You could make a, you know, a lentil bean patty, like a burger, and then that would be your source of protein. Um, there's lots of arguments for and against where you get your sources of protein from. One of the more persuasive arguments against being totally vegan is the bioavailability of nutrition um, from food sources and they talk about how protein from plant sources isn't very bioavailable to be honest that's overcomplicating how you eat if you're vegan and you're eating beans and pulses lentils that sort of thing it's enough you don't need to worry about too much your body's very very complex as it is and it does a bloody good job at digesting so if you want to avoid meat then go for it beans pulses tofu tempa all of those things are, are great sources of protein the next one you want to look at is your starchy staples or your your hard carbohydrates so, stuff like kumara, taro, potato are all great. Um, this is where you start thinking about stuff like high or low GI. Now, people get quite confused with high and low GI because they assume that high GI is bad. It's not necessarily bad, but it's better had in smaller portions. Um, purely because high... GI foods, GI means glycemic index, glycemic meaning how much sugar there is in the food. High GI foods give you an energy spike, but anything that gives you a spike will give you a trough afterwards. So that's why we might give athletes some jet planes or some, some sugary sweets at half time but not before the game, because we don't want them crashing at halftime. We just want a little bit of a pick-me-up. They should have done good nutrition prior to the game, uh, and then you can afford 
to have a small amount of sugary sweets at half time. Personally, my preference is for you to have fruit at half time. It's very easy to digest. It's very light. It's also not particularly bad for you in the first place. So if you can stomach it, a banana, if you can't some, something that heavy, maybe some pineapple, maybe some, maybe some um, orange, traditional oranges like we used to get as kids, apple as well is okay, maybe a little bit acidic. Um, they're the types of things that you need to be focusing on. But uh, as a matter of convenience, we often, we often reach for a bit of sugar at halftime. Um, there's also another few things that you need to think about uh, with with GI is that you get essentially uh, what are called traveling GI profiles. So if you bake potato when it's hot, that's high GI. If you let it cool down, it's medium GI. And if you have it the following day, it's low GI. Um, skin on is better, skin off is high. Um, Skin off is high, skin on is medium. Um, yeah, and then uh, the reason for this is because of what happens to the starch in a potato when you cook it. So when you cook your potato first and it's hot, you end up having this highly sugary starch that goes through it so basically you get a, a, a real spike um, that's why a lot of like rugby players tend to have stuff like mashed potatoes before they play a game um, I prefer for people to eat low GI a couple hours in advance and then they have stuff like bananas or maybe a muesli bar in the lead up to a kickoff. that's a personal preference um, but that's based on a few things that I've read over the years, a few people that I've spoken to whose opinion I uh, um, have a lot of respect for, S uh, specifically one of those is a great nutritionist called Emma Cashmel. You should, you should seek her out if you're in Wellington region or even online. I think Emma at simplyfitness.com is her email. Um, then uh, when you let it cool down and you leave the skin on, so if you make it the day before, uh, then uh, it gets uh, what's called this known as resistance starch, resistance starch, and uh, what that does is it is really really good for the healthy flora in your intestines, so your gut bacteria. Really really good for your gut bacteria. Um, Probably not something you're too worried about before kickoff in a game, but just in general, having a healthy gut goes way beyond sport. It goes into just good health in general. Uh, in terms of portion size, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. Uh, in terms of portion size, when you have like your rice, your starchy staples, your couscous, whatever it is that is your above ground or that is your below ground carbohydrate. Um, or your hard carbohydrate, that should be roughly the size of your fist. So if you make a fist, even tuck your thumb away, look at that, that's how much rice you should be eating. If you pull out your plate right now, depending on the size of your plate, that's actually a lot of food to eat. 
Lots of people a few years ago were killed telling you that more meals is better. Um, I, I would disagree, but only in so much that the more you eat, the faster your metabolism gets, the more you're going to want to eat. Um, it also means that if you're eating regularly, you end up having a lot of sugar in the blood at all times. So you don't get a chance to really, really just let rest and digest. So somebody like me, uh, I can go Well, here's the funny thing we're sort of drifting into intermittent fasting territory but somebody like me i can go a long long time without food and not really be hungry up until the point where i order my food or i start making my food and then i'm instantly hangry um and you don't want to talk to me until i've eaten because i just flip a switch now uh i don't know who did the branding for intermittent fasting but basically it's just skipping breakfast or alternatively, being too poor for lunch. So, demystifying it, the idea with uh, intermittent fasting is that you spend longer in between meals, um, which kind of slows down your metabolism, but it actually forces you to digest the foods that you are eating. The Some people... Some people do really well out of this style of eating but to be honest as with most dietary interventions they're designed for people who are very very heavy to begin with so ketogenic um diet paleo diet atkins diet um a lot of these diets were developed with people who are obese and morbidly obese in mind not people who are just slightly overweight or regular size um or what is deemed to be a healthy normal weight um, for their height. Uh, so you want to be very prudent when it comes to deciding to eat a certain way. I think if you are of healthy weight or if you're a little bit overweight and you're still healthy in terms of your vital signs, stuff like blood pressure, cholesterol, those types of things, I wouldn't be too quick to tell you to eat more or less meals. I would be more inclined to tell you to try and stick to your three meals and then refine what you're actually eating inside of those things. Um, so back to three meals a day. Three meals a day, I think, is a good foundation for any style of eating, primarily because it offers you consistency through the day there's no point skipping breakfast five days a week and then eating breakfast on the weekend because it puts your body out of sync in terms of your chronobiology so if in the morning you get up we talked about sleep before and, and wake times being consistent across the week i know that this is true but i am terrible at doing it if you are consistently waking up and eating at a similar time every day, you can have a dependable amount of energy to do the tasks ahead of you before you go into a lunch. Then you eat lunch every day, especially around the same time. You can have a dependable amount of energy going into your dinner, and then you can have a dependable amount of energy before you go to sleep.
Your last meal should be eaten roughly about three hours before you go to bed. Again, this is good advice, but I never, ever, ever take it because I am a hard case dawdler when it comes to making meals. I stop, I chat, I look around, I get my daughter involved, I let her chop some veggies or something like that or stir a pot and a half an hour dinner normally takes me about an hour to cook because I'll just amble along, I'll stop, I'll reply to a text message, I'll think to myself, do you know what, that would make a good podcast and then several months later I might actually record it. So making sure that you have consistency about your meals and their times and then you can decide whether you're getting peaks or troughs with energy through your foods. Uh, I would say if you have trouble sleeping, make lunch your main meal. If you don't have trouble sleeping, have dinner be your main meal. Um, Breakfast should be pretty similar. For breakfast, see if you can avoid just eating toast. And try to have maybe a little bit of a source of protein in there because it makes you feel fuller for longer. And that's why, that's again why overweight people tend to be uh, prescribed diets that are heavily protein focused because they give a sense of satiety. Um, they make you feel fuller for longer. If you are feeling full, you're less likely to binge. If you're skipping lunch, you're more likely to fall into the trap of just, oh, I'll just have a Mars bar and that'll tie me over till dinner because I didn't have lunch. That sort of moves us on to the idea of calories. Um, so I was reading in the paper today that over in the UK they're, they're thinking about putting um, exercise labels on foods. So how many minutes it would take for you to work off uh, a sugary drink or a Mars bar or something like that I think it's you know I think it's veering into the smoking kills and images on a cigarette packet territory which I feel is in its uh, in its conception is quite good but I also feel that people will then think to themselves, if I exercise for three hours a day, I can eat six Mars bars uh, and nothing bad will come of it. The problem with food is it's either the greatest medicine or the worst poison that you could ever, ever hope for. And if we're treating poison with exercise, we are not really considering... Or even being held responsible for what we're putting into our bodies. And that responsibility is, is, is what we're looking for as well. So calories. Calories not just a calorie. One, if you're eating a plant-based diet, you know, you'd, you'd almost be overfed trying to hit your recommended calorie. Uh, for the day because rice versus cauliflower rice you know minimal calories in cauliflower rice as opposed to regular rice I'm going to pause there because there's somebody smashing bottles next to me hold on
Sorry about that. I live next to a cafe and rather than just dump all the bottles in the bin, somebody was putting the bottles in one by one and every single time there was a little smash. So, fuck you. But also, thanks for recycling. Um, to be fair, they do that every day, and I record a podcast once in a blue moon, so it's probably got more to do with me and the time of day I chose to do this than it has to them. We were talking about calories, and we were talking about how a calorie is not always just a calorie, and that in terms of the sources of foods that you get from. So I tend to bunch my calories into my macronutrients, where I'm getting them from. So if you take um, protein, relatively light, relatively, depending on the cut of meat, or the source, um, fats very, very calorie dense. So if you're eating a ketogenic diet, you may find that you're not actually eating an awful lot of food, but you are eating a lot of calories. We touched on satiety, so uh, with 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 a ketogenic diet, if you're eating quite fatty meats, um, they can be quite filling. But what happens is, over time, you get used to eating the fatty foods, and they feel less and less filling. So, uh, while you may lose weight initially, you will probably end up putting that weight back on again later. Um, Carbohydrates, again, it depends on the source. Uh, If you eat a gram of sugar... A lot more calories versus a, a gram of cauliflower, uh, a lot less calories. So in terms of gram weight for gram weight, the right choices of foods um, often relate to the amount of process which has been put into their manufacture. So highly processed foods we often regard as not necessarily being foods at all, but food-like substances, um, far divorced from their original state. Uh, So, I don't know if you guys have ever seen videos of how Haribo sweets are made. Absolutely horrendous-looking footage of this foamy goop being shaped into you know little pineapple lumps and rings and stuff like that I see the video I go I'm never eating that shit again I walk down the uh, confection aisle in the supermarket and I'm like ooh that's going straight in my basket and again uh, I guess that leads on to the types of foods that we're eating, and consistency. So if you're eating the right amount of food, uh, you probably aren't going to reach for snack options like chips, crisps, um, sweets, chocolate, that type of thing. 
Another huge thing that we need to be careful of is that we're actually getting enough water on board. So if you want the uh, if you want the calculation for how much water you should be drinking, you take your weight in kilograms, um, and then multiply that by thirty five milliliters per kilo of body weight. So if you were a hundred kilo man or woman or other, uh, you would generally need to drink about three and a half liters per day. A lot of the time that helps with that sense of uh, satiation. Yeah. So to recap, we've covered macronutrients. I think maybe I could probably tell you why we why what a calorie is and why it's not reliable as well. Actually, before we do any more recap, so a calorie is the combustible amount of energy as calculated by a bomb kilometer. So basically, how much energy it would take to incinerate an item of food lets you know how many calories is in it. There's a you can Google it. It's a bomb kilometer. Um, so high density sugar items have higher calorie value because that's how much energy it takes to combust these these items um, as opposed to low density calorie stuff takes less time that's why processed foods are often more low calorie because they're easy to essentially they, it's, a, it's, it's, it's intended to mimic digestion but it doesn't quite so that's why you need to take calories with a bit of a, a pinch of salt So back to recapping. Macronutrients are your fats, your proteins, your carbohydrates. Calories are how much energy is within a food. Um, micronutrients is something that you hear but probably don't know a lot, an awful lot about. They probably don't get as much airtime as they used to get in the 90s and 80s but they're still really, really, really important. So stuff like your, your minerals and your vitamins that are inside of your food. If you're not getting enough of a certain type of uh, uh, vitamin mineral, it can lead to health complications down the line. So one of the chief arguments against being a vegan is uh, no good sources of uh, oleic acids and no sources of vitamin B12 which are associated with eating fatty fish and eating eating meat respectively. I personally feel that arguments like this aren't conducive to a healthy conversation about food, let alone to actual diets, because the vast majority of the people that tell you, oh, where do you get your protein from, don't eat enough vegetables or eat too many greasy, oily foods with heaps with trans fats. So... Again, reinforcing the idea that if you do the basics well, not just for athletes, but for regular people, if you do the basics well, you're already most of the way there in terms of having a good diet. My motto with anything when it comes to high performance is that if you want to be extraordinary, you've got to do all the extra amounts of ordinary that other people don't want to do. So... 
it's the same with food. If you eat enough vegetables and if you eat real food, non-processed food, not food-like substances, you will have a good diet. Um, if you are not getting enough of something in your diet through the way that you're eating, you've got to find a way to get that stuff into your diet. Um, for regular people, that's pretty easy. You can choose to use a supplement. For athletes, that's a lot more complex these days because of the World Anti-Doping Agency. Now, you may not be taking a steroid, but you may inadvertently be taking a product on board which has a, a natural masking agent inside it, and therefore it's banned as well. Um, so my advice is you don't need supplements if your diet is good. If you are somebody who I work with and I've told you to use supplements, it's for uh, a reason associated not necessarily to your performance but more to do with your health. So we have a player who just can't eat after games. Um, thankfully, because I work with men, he's got like an 18-hour window before he actually starts any real catab uh, catabolizing, which means that sort of the body starts working against itself, roughly. It's a very, very rudimentary description. Um, and he is a player who happens to be very light as well. Um, so I decided that in order to get him used to eating foods after a game, we're going to use branched-chain amino acids in a supplement. We're going to mix it with some juice, and we're going to use that to try and refeed his body after an intense effort of exercise. So if he is just going to the gym, he's not going to do that. If he's played a very, very intense game with 60 minutes plus of action, where he's probably covered close to 10K, um, if not more, this particular guy could easily cover 12.5k in a game if we let him. Uh, so I'm concerned that he gets enough uh, nutrients on board while he's recovering just to aid his recovery. Uh, if you don't know what branched-chain amino acids are, they are the building blocks of protein. Um, in his case, I feel that it will be easier for him to digest that than it would just a regular protein supplement um, because it's a, it's a very light supplement. If I gave him... Uh, something like a whey protein uh, immediately after a game knowing him he probably would feel sick after having it so we're looking for the least invasive option um i am fortunate enough to have a, a good relationship with somebody who sells supplements and we use batch tested muscle farm stuff um it's not a, a necessarily a formal arrangement between the club and uh the vendor but uh, Tiare at iSubstance Taranaki Street, she, um, she, she's smart enough to know that this affects people beyond a sale. So she has a list of products that I've approved. And if somebody goes in from Team Wellington and they say, oh, I want to use this, then she knows that there's a safe list of products for them to use. She knows the products better than I do. Um, and she is a strong enough willed lady to turn around and say, no, you're not having that. That's not on your list. Whereas if they went to one of the other absolute cowboy uh, vendors across town, they'd sell them literally anything and they go, oh, yeah, 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 it's safe, it's safe, it's safe, without actually checking to see if it's on the, the anti-doping agency's drug list. Um... Yeah. So I think uh I think without 
losing the run of myself because quite often you'll have noticed I jump into tangents if I hit on a topic that I want to talk about. Um, the rudimentary aspects that I'm looking at is consistency. Look at your calendar, January through to December next year, 2020. It's a new decade. Make consistency your vibe. Absolute vibe on consistency. Don't make big promises to get skinny by July or whatever. You just want to absolutely vibe on a process and consistency. Uh, and when it comes to eating, uh, that's that's your first port of call. For my guys as athletes, my first advice to them is to eat three meals a day of low inflammatory foods that aren't heavily processed. If they choose to be vegan, then be vegan. Don't eat junk food, just eat unprocessed, healthy foods. Make sure that you're getting enough of your macronutrients, so that is fats, carbohydrate, and protein. Although, to be perfectly honest, for footballers, protein's probably not as important as everybody lets on. Uh, you want to be using stuff like carbohydrates and low to median GI carbohydrates because they're the ones that are going to give you the energy to A, recover, and B, perform, uh, whereas protein itself doesn't actually provide you with pretty much any energy at all. The other things you need to consider is fiber and fiber in your foods, but if you're just following, if you're just following the guides of three meals a day, lots of unprocessed foods with lots of vegetables inside it, the fiber will be part of that anyway. It's taken care of. If you're just eating protein bars as a way to keep yourself full, that's it's not really for you, you know? If you want to eat a chocolate bar, eat a fucking chocolate bar. You're an adult. But realize that it's not going to do you any good. We've got a traffic light system with the foods that we eat in terms of green is good, orange is passable, red is not to be totally avoided, but it's not going to help you be an athlete. So green foods are your traditionals, your low inflammatory vegetables, your um, your low GI vegetables, your unprocessed foods, your orange stuff, your traffic light orange stuff is, you know, your, your dairy uh, as sources of protein, your dairy as sources of fat. So stuff like cheeses and milk and whole milk. Um, and your red stuff is processed food. So stuff like bacon, sausage, things that are put through a machine in order for you to be able to actually eat them. They're not really that good for you. I'm not saying don't eat them, but I'm saying being realistic about what you're eating. You're not actually... You're not going to become the healthiest version of yourself eating stuff which is stuffed into a machine in order for you to be able to digest it. And I think uh, after that, it kind of balances itself all out. As long as you're drinking enough water, eating three meals a day, mostly plants, you end up falling into what Edward Pollen calls as in eat real food, mostly plants, regularly. Um, 
you can't really go wrong once you follow those guidelines. I think as humans, the hardest part about existing is having a head and overcomplicating things, whereas re- we really just need to do those same very, very, very basic things we've done for a long time. If you're going to eat out, eat out, but try not to eat out all the time. When you do go out for meals, try and pick your best option in a shitty situation. So if you go for meals with with friends, you don't have to just go for the salad, but you can see if you can get more vegetables put in with your chicken and rice, you know. Um, Try not to drink too much, even though it is the holiday season. It's just got a really, it's a depressant as well. And that's something I actually haven't spoken about because I was gonna was gonna lead into that the next time we have a chat about mental health. But a lot of the foods you eat, if it brings you up, uh, and it's gonna drop you back down. So high GI foods will bring you up. You're gonna feel like a million bucks for about thirty seconds, and all of a sudden, you actually start to feel sad. That's the same with alcohol. That's why hangovers are so. Uh, horrendous, particularly my hangovers, which last about five days. Alcohol brings you up. You are absolutely bopping around the dance floor. You're having an incredible time, but too much haha, pretty soon boohoo. Food's the same. You know, if it gets you giddy, makes you feel really good for a minute. You know, it's going to make you feel bad for two. So just be aware of, of how food can have a negative effect on your body as well. I think that's it. Um, I'll probably finish with a couple of things that I'm looking for for the new year. So for New Year's, I am going to actually try something different. Ten years ago, I stopped drinking for a year because I was pretty much a problem drinker. Um, not that I was an alcoholic, because I never really craved alcohol when I was away from it. But I was in environments where I wasn't away from it for long. So I just decided, just to be certain, that I would just try and quit alcohol for a year. Um, being Irish, the hardest part was having to deal with Kiwis go, Why aren't you drinking? I thought you were Irish. I was like, oh... That's incredible. Another lazy stereotype for me to uh, to put up with. Fun. Realistically, it took me maybe about 12 weeks to get used to the idea of just being strong enough and saying, yeah, I just don't really drink. Um, and after you get comfortable with saying stuff like that, I just don't really drink, um, it, it becomes a lot easier. Uh, I once gave up sugar for three months and... I was probably at my peak. I felt phenomenal. I was in great shape. Um, mentally, my mental acuity was off the charts. I was sharp. I was uh, really, really good at my job. And then I just went, ah, fuck it, I'm going to eat a cake. And it was bad. So I think what I'm going to do this year is try to go the whole year without sugar. Um what that looks like is that what that looks like is that it's uh no added sugar to a diet so if i'm eating fruit and it's full of sugar 
you're gonna allow that because it's yeah it's fructose and fructose isn't the best source of sugar but it's it's also got tons of uh, micronutrients in there which are really really good for you so you've got to do the balancing act there the other thing is that sometimes you might have a high sugar food within a greater meal um, and you can't really do much about that so just eat the food take it on the balance of all things what it does mean though is that uh, I won't be eating sweets I won't be eating any cake uh, won't be eating chocolate bars, uh, anything that has a high sugar content. So uh, the gold standard for me is less than five grams per hundred grams when you read your nutritional label. Um, and also get comfortable reading nutritional labels because they really tell you what's in your food. Um, the silver standard is less than 10 grams and the bronze standard, a minimal standard, is, uh, is less than 15 grams. So I'm going to stick to that for the year. I understand that I'm going to have some blips in the roadmap. Um, you know, in, in the end of January, I'm going to go to Hong Kong for Chinese New Year. So it's not that all their food has sugar in it, but I don't know what's going to be in it because I can't read Chinese. And I'm also going to be in the presence of uh, a family who will be providing food for me. Uh, and I'm not going to turn around and go, well, Actually, I'm not eating sugar this year because I'm virtuous as fuck. So, um, I'll probably, yeah, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Likewise, uh, hopefully, I'm getting home to see my dad this year and I'm going to bring Saoirse with me. Um, it's going to be her first time going back to Ireland. And while I will actively be avoiding sugar, if somebody puts it, particularly my diabetic mother, if somebody puts the sugar on a plate for me and they tell me to eat it, I will eat it and uh, I will, you know, bear the brunt of that. Uh, there are things I can do to caveat that, uh, or to counteract that, sorry. Um, I can tell them in advance that uh, I, I'm doing a thing a no sugar thing, it's nothing personal, it's not a try to lose weight, it's a mental acuity thing. I also suffer quite a lot from depression and anxiety, so having an upper and a downer in my life that I'm willfully just smashing into my body, um, it, it, it affects my well-being, so I'm going to attack it from that point of view. It's not that I'm trying to get skinny or anything like that, it's more that I'm trying to get some consistency with, with, with how I'm treating my brain. Um, the other thing that I'm going to try and do is some sort of exercise for 365 days straight. Now, the first thing you're going to think is that I'm going to run every day. That's not necessarily true. So it's going to be a mixture of predominantly running and either bodyweight exercise or resistance exercise. Um, I will have a couple of different focuses across the year so uh, till the end of summer I'm going to be focusing in on um, faster 5k runs over the winter time I'm going to do slightly longer runs uh, and then as we come back into summer again I might do a little bit more weights for all of these things there are high tempo and low tempo options and then there's recovery so every time that I'm doing a recovery day my exercise might be yoga it might be functional range conditioning it might be something uh, along those lines, but it could also just be a, a, a wee little stretch or some breathing exercises and doing some mental clarity or it could be going for a walk or it could be spending time with, with family and doing exercise with family. So today was one of those days where I'm doing a light load thing and my wife and I took our daughter to the park and 
we played chasing with my daughter and she's a two and a half year old so it's actually quite easy for us to chase after her but stop start stop start and then she loves yoga so we let her teach us how to do yoga so she'd do like a little downward dog or happy baby or dormouse and every time she'd do a pose we'd do a pose um, so little things like that connecting as a family which is in itself an exercise um, they're the things that I'm going to fill my year up with. So there's the there's the three things. Um, again, like I said before, with the way we eat food, what I'm really looking for, above all else, is consistency. I want consistency in my life. I want routine in my life. We're human beings and we absolutely crave routine. I'm going to try to get to bed similar time, try to wake up at a similar time. I'm going to try and exercise every day so that I know that for 30 minutes out of every day I am devoting some time to my myself and my betterment. Um, and then lastly, I'm looking to take out things that um, make me feel bad about myself. So I'm trying to get rid of things that make me feel bad they'll make me feel good intermittently for a little bit but then they'll make me feel really really bad afterwards um so one in that it's an upper and a downer the other in that I, maybe it's because i'm a recovering catholic i don't know if you guys feel the same but the whole shame about the things that you eat you you feel bad because somebody told you to feel bad trying to get that out of my life because that fucking sucks anyway recommend this podcast to your friends uh, I haven't got a Patreon account normally this is where people go if you like the podcast you can you know jump on patreon.com and offer to pay me the price of a pint for a podcast you'd buy me a pint in real life wouldn't you um, yeah, so I don't have Patreon because I'm not active enough at podcasting. I also feel that maybe I don't offer you enough in terms of audio quality, uh, how regularly I provide you with this kind of stuff. But if you do enjoy it, maybe just tell a friend to have a listen. Maybe there's something that uh, in here that you think that they could benefit from. Um, but yeah, just spread the word. Uh, if you want to, I'll be uh, on Twitter and Instagram uh, just look up James Vincent McAgon, M-A-C-A-O-D-H-A-G-A-I-N um, and you can follow along as I will be going for the next 365 days uh, in trying to be a, a healthier version of myself and maybe you can take some things from that and improve your yourself. As always, this podcast was done off the top of my head um, based on research I've already read in the past and that's why I, I do a lot of jumping if you think that uh, this podcast would be better if I pre-scripted it uh, let me know and maybe I'll try that out but uh, you know if you don't feel it would be any better doing that tell me that too just give me some feedback because uh, I'm a human being and I deserve validation okay love you guys bye